Hi there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'd like to take a moment to announce that we are launching a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash TalkingTolkien. We'll also post it on our Facebook and Twitter. We'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to check out the Patreon and hopefully give some money. Obviously, you don't need to give. We'd appreciate you sharing our podcast just as much. With just a little bit of extra funding, we'll be able to buy server space, equipment, and other necessities to help our podcast grow. Eventually, our plan is to offer other podcasts about other beloved works and overlooked classics. Thanks. We're so going to mean. start a an acapella group. I don't need these. Uh, and Katie and I were practicing in the car. <laughs> and I said, hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, what's going on? Thank you, Apple Music, for enabling me to... Uh... Oh, man. I, will, I am singing the praises of Apple Music only because it's like I am just getting out my deepest darkest like guilty pleasure film scores yeah just listening to all of them being like oh yeah i'm using it up to look up like curtis hurting and harding <laughs> and like beyonce but it's like in reality it's like look how many times you listen to the soundtrack to transformers so <laughs> many too many you don't want to know <laughs> on, on that note on july 4th i used it to listen to all the patriotic music i used to play in high school marching band oh yeah because of course like i don't own a copy of that and i don't really want to mm-hmm. spend money on that so if you ever want to listen to American Salute by Morton Gould, you now can. <laughs> what it does have is a surprisingly good selection of different recordings of classical music. Yeah. I finally yeah. listened to the famous Pavarotti recording of Lava Wim because I, I watched uh, Moonstruck with Cher and it's been stuck in my head ever since. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> that movie is just about Lava Wim. So anyway, <laughs> this is uh, Talking Tolkien episode seven. What are we, seven? It's seven. seven. Well, episode seven of The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Episode what I guess twenty six total. I don't, I don't even want to do that. I don't. I don't remember the numbers. <laughs> uh, I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And this week we are discussing chapters nine and ten of The Hobbit, Barrels Out of Bond, and a warm welcome. A warm welcome, which, as we will soon discover, is kind of a pun. <laughs> All right. So Chase, where did we? <laughs> Actually, Katie, since we didn't really get your your voice on last week's podcast, uh, wh- where did we last leave Hobbit? And company. Wait, Hobbit. Bilbo. <laughs> Hobbit. His name is now Hobbit. Aw, poor Bilbo. Where did we last so, leave Burrow Hobbit? <laughs> last, last we saw our Burrow Hobbit and dwarves. Last time, so we had gotten a, a send-off from our favorite bear man, Bayorn. That's how you say it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I am only ever going to say it Bjorn because I really like ABBA, okay? I, w- I wish there were other people in this book named Benny, Annie Frida, and Agnetha. <laughs> but anywho, uh, Beorn had, um, you know, taken the company in very kindly after Gandalf's trickery, sort of, um, and then sent them off on their way towards Mirkwood. Um, Mr. Baggins, tell me what's wrong. I was doing the same thing, don't worry. You look hungry and so disheveled. <laughs> Ooh. See, my brain went to you're the dwarven queen. You know, that's where my brain went to. You are the dwarven queen. Young and sweet. At only, only 53. <laughs> anyway, um, so then uh, the company found themselves in Mirkwood, which uh, almost instantly becomes this kind of insane, sort of terrifying. Miasma? Dark, yeah. 
um, dark, dark adventure. We should implement a uh, vocabulary word of the week that we try to use in our discussion of The Hobbit. And today's, and today's is miasma. miasma. Okay. I love that word so much. Miasma is pretty and great word. it's appropriate because I've put your microphone on a bunch of uh, William S. Burroughs books and he uses that word a lot. Hey! <laughs> All right. Okay. So last we left everyone, Thorin has been captured by the Wood Elves. And Bilbo slayed a bunch of spiders. Bilbo slayed a bunch of spiders and kind of really uh, stepped into a more proactive role um, and is becoming more and more a hero. And more and more... Actually, no, I'm going to save that for this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually... I, I'm guessing Chase and I are probably on the, the same page here, but I think yeah. I think this chapter is actually where Bilbo becomes a leader and not la- last. Yes, yeah, this absolutely. Is like stepping stones. Yeah. Absolutely. This is, you know, it's, it, uh, definitely Mirkwood is where Bilbo really starts to become. Man. Well, well more, he, he steps man. into, he becomes worthy of all of this backing that Gandalf has given him um, thus far. So anyway. Um, he, he fills up his metaphorical boots. <laughs> Since hobbits don't wear footwear, yeah, hobbits yeah. don't footwear. Yeah, his have, britches. They have very tough, tough, tough feet. But yeah, his britches. There we go. I like that word, britches. It's a good word. Although so, he probably actually is not filling them anymore because he's probably lost some weight. Yeah, That's because true. poor thing hasn't had you know his customary multiple meals a day. <laughs> they even describe him <laughs> as relatively lightweight in yeah. chapter ten. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. Anyway, we 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 come to with our dwarves in the forest. Thorin is gone. The dwarves don't know where to go. They're lost. They don't know where the field is, or that I mean the path. Uh, eight out of the thirteen of our company point in the same direction, so that's the way they go. So they're like, "All right, let's try this." That's hilarious. Um, so they step out. They step off into that direction, trying trying to find a way to escape Mirkwood, um, and instantly they are captured by <laughs> wood elves. Um, Bilbo manages to slip away and uh, put, puts the ring on so nobody sees him, which is convenient Convenient, and ends up being, you know, absolutely necessary um, to the fate of the company. And he follows all, basically the, the wood elves lead them through the forest to like, basically their, I wouldn't call it a, it's more like an encampment. Well, no, it's a system of caves that serves as the so, palace of the king of the Wood Elves. Which sounds yeah. familiar. Sounds familiar. Uh, um, I know it's not probably the, the you know, that. I always imagined them the, as a kid as limestone caves. Probably because, you know, in Arkansas, like Devil's Den. Yeah, well, the limestone caves here. Yeah, because I would imagine they'd be really pretty caves, well, like, too. Yeah, light, you know, maybe a, like a, a, a cool teal. Right, and remember that they're described as, you know, they're different from goblin dwellings because, um, and, and, and from dwarf dwellings. Um, because they're different people. But yeah, I, I would imagine elvish caves to be... Architectonically splendid. There we go. <laughs> well, and, and a lot of calcite, too. It's still living because they're yeah. kind of like one... I mean, that would also re- resonate with their a relationship to water. Oh, almost like almost like the elves could um, like grow the structure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I like that idea. Here's, we also have here, an illustration. Here's, here's Tolkien's illustration of it. Can you see it? Can you see it? The microphone is not a camera. Can you, can you see it? Look at it's it, guys. It's attached to a camera. <laughs> so Bilbo follows very closely, trying not to get spotted, I guess. Yeah, well, he, he's, 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 yeah, he's wearing the ring, so he's invisible this whole time. He's trying not to make a sound, and he's trying to keep up with them because, of course, they're going at a p- pretty quick pace, and poor little Bilbo is tiny. Well, and it is of note <laughs> that while he is invisible, he is somehow also opaque because he still casts a shadow. Yeah. Leading me to wonder, like, does the ring actually make him invisible, or does it just kind of, like modify everybody else's like perception that's a good question like i don't know if i'm like thinking too deep into this mm-hmm. but this is the second time we're described as his shadow being 
yeah. being seen. Yeah, be car- careful not to cast like a strange shadow. So I, I could see away. that. Yeah. So I wonder if it's almost like the ring just has this power to like modify perception. He doesn't actually become invisible. Mm-hmm. The ring has a very powerful effect on minds already. Yeah. Right. So that, so that makes it's sense. Pretty plausible. Yeah. That it's like projecting a trickery on the on the rest of the world who's viewing him. Huh. And the the dwarves are smart enough not to reveal what their plan is or what their destination is. Right. And they all get thrown in cells like Thorin was. But they all don't know that Thorin is there. Yeah, right. They're, and, well, they're in individual cells. They're all in the shoe, if you watch Orange and the Black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Inmate to Seg. However, uh, they are given food and drink because, you know, Thranduil is not barbaric. No. Um, <laughs> the, th- this moment is kind of a, a like, you know, like, like we were saying, this is kind of a, a real growing point for Bilbo. Um, well, he starts doing some, like, reconnaissance yeah. and burglaring and, and realizing, like, what the security detail is. Yeah, here. and Bilbo actually, most importantly, I think, kind of calls himself a burglar. I, I think he's really starting to think of himself as that way before. He's, he's said it before, yeah, you know, like, but... I, I need to be a burglar, but he's really acting on it now. So, so Bilbo is kind of, like, frustrated right now, and he says... I am like a burglar that can't get away, but must go on miserably burgling the same house day after day, he thought. This is the dreariest and dullest part of all this wretched, tiresome, uncomfortable adventure. I wish I was back in my hobbit hole by my own warm fireside with the lamp shining. He often wished, too, that he could get a message for help sent to the wizard, but that, of course, was quite impossible. And he soon realized that if anything was to be done, it would have to be done by Mr. Baggins alone and unaided. That Yeah, that was a really great bit of narration. Yeah. I mean, because it did solidify. I mean, because it's also like a lot of time passes, like two weeks pass or something like that yeah. before he kind of spots an opening and what to, to try and get all the dwarves freed. Right. Also, during that time, he finds Thorin. Right. So it's kind of like, I mean, you know, Bilbo is, again, he, he's still kind of like reluctant, resu- re- reluctantly resigning himself to this idea of, okay, now I'm I'm really the burglar and I have to step into this like active role now it's all up to me because clearly you know the dwarves can't do anything he's really starting to act on it and know that it's all up to him so he's got to become more of a leader at this time so yeah bilbo is kind of hiding in the palace for several weeks and um you know he he does manage to like slip out every now and then when the gates open but uh and then come back in and he finds food and whatnot but of course he needs to find the dwarves so finally, he does find all of the dwarves, each of them individually, as well as Thorin. And there's not—it's not like there's a single like prison, bar- prison barracks, prison. Yeah, camp. they're kind of all oh. over. Prison ward? What are they called? Uh, d- dungeon. Dun- dungeon. I mean, they sue. Uh, yeah. They do mention John Dungeon, but Thorin is in the dungeon. There, well, okay, so it's kind of described like it is a cave system, so it kind of does have like little meandering branches off, and yeah. so. They're kind of scattered all throughout. It's almst like the ideal mission for a video game, like <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. yeah, yeah, like you have to find all you of have the to secret, b- basically secret explore pathways. every single nook and cranny of this place right to find your to find your your company mates and eventually he also finds out that the front door is not the only uh, entrance the only entrance as he had originally thought because again, like the gates we've learned are magic. And, you know, once they're in, they're sealed and you can't get back out unless yeah. you happen to be able to become invisible or something like invisible thanks to a magic ring and slip your way out and be tiny like a hobbit. And this leads to my favorite little bit of imagery in this entire book so far. Out of, like, everything we've seen, stone giants, goblin mazes, everything we've seen, 
this is my favorite little imagery is this like little channel mm -hmm. in this cave that leads outside where they float barrels mm -hmm. and they follow the current down to Lake Town. I don't know why that was my favorite. I really did just really like that imagery. And they're basically moving uh, wa like wine and food in and out yeah of this like waterway yeah this is basically yeah how how the Merkwood elves how the wood elves um it's their uh, supply it's chain. yeah their supply chain from the men at lake town anyway yeah so bilbo had found thorin and takes a message to all the other dwarves uh making sure that nobody reveals their actual mission and they're all pretty strong-willed yeah it's, it's this great little detail because they describe thorin as like being unbelieving when he first hears Bilbo's voice yeah. coming, coming through the keyhole. Yeah. But then also, because, you know, Thorin at this moment was on the verge of just giving up and, you know, telling all to the Elven King and, and completely giving up. And then little Bilbo comes and, uh, you know, brings the spirits back up. And he also, at this time, gains a lot of respect for Bilbo. You know, he, he remarks on how uh, clever this idea of his is and... Um, that Gandalf was right about him. Bilbo manages to next steal some keys from the head prison guard and the butler who had been enjoying a bit of... Very strong very wine. Very strong some wine. Some buckfast right. fortified wine. Dorwinian wine, go. is that right? For Thorin had taken heart again, hearing how the hobbit had rescued his companions from the spiders and was determined once more not to ransom himself with promises to the king of a share in the treasure until all hope of escaping in any other way had disappeared. Until, in fact, the remarkable Mr. Invisible Baggins, <laughs> of whom he had began to have a very high opinion indeed, had altogether failed to think of something clever. So now he's he's putting his faith in Bilbo's ability to just, like, come up with a plan. Yeah, to be a thinker, too. All, but then, so... Grabs the keys off of these elves who have been drinking Cisco or something like that. And they go around and he busts them all out. Still invisible, I imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, and they all get into barrels. They pull each other into barrels and just wait. And then at this moment is one of my favorite little bits where the narrator says, and Bilbo... <laughs> basically, some elves come up and basically are, are, see the guards sleeping and... And at this point, Bilbo puts the keys back on the guards because he doesn't want them to actually get in trouble, which yeah, is, is a really nice little bit. Yeah, this is like Bilbo's little moment of pity, which, again, he has several moments of, of, of pity. And the elves who are basically in charge of, like, throwing these barrels out into the channel show up, and they start throwing them out. And then it's a great bit of narration where it says, now you probably have already realized the fault in, like, yeah. Bilbo's problem. It was, yeah. it, it was just at this moment that Bilbo suddenly discovered yeah. the weak point in his plan. <laughs> Most likely you saw it some time ago and have been laughing at him, but I don't suppose you would have done half as well yourselves in his place. Of course, he was not in a barrel himself, nor was there anyone to pack him in, even if there had been a chance. So once again, our narrator, <laughs> our narrator finds it funny, which, which we should, that Bilbo's plan has a tiny flaw in it and that... He has not managed to get him his own little self into a barrel. So on the last uh, <laughs> barrel, when it's being thrown out, he runs he like and clings on to it, on it. And then goes for a ride in some cold water and cannot <laughs> basically stay, get a grip on the barrel. Yeah. Because it's a barrel. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of this comical little thing of, you know, grabbing onto it. And you can imagine, we've all seen that in film, like, you yeah. know, clinging onto something that's floating in the water and it's rolling around. Um, and he manages to stay on. Yep. All well, the way down. Poor little guy. Well, eventually they kind of get tangled up on a little cluster of tree roots. And he like climbs to he, the top. He managed of it. to climb to the top of, of the barrel, which had taken on some water. So there was some ballast on it. And he lay spread eagle trying. <laughs> it was something about like trying to 
stay on a fat pony who was all yeah. Like, yeah, that was my other favorite little bit of dialogue here. Um, uh, uh, the description of Bilbo like riding on top of this barrel and trying to stay on it. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Luckily, he was very light, and the barrel was a good big one, and being rather leaky, had now shipped a small amount of water. At the same time, or all the same, it was like trying to ride without bridle or stirrups a round-bellied pony that was always thinking of rolling on the grass. <laughs> and always thinking about rolling onto the ground. I don't know about anybody else here, but I actually have ridden a pony once. I, I have ridden several horses and ponies in my time. Katie's um, an equestrian. Yeah. <laughs> and this cuts the quick. <laughs> I have actually been on a pony once that decided it was time to lay down. And there's no staying on that. And especially if like if, if the pony's going down, the pony's going to roll. Um, and you don't want to be under that. So <laughs> I can sympathize with Mr. Baggins in this moment. And the image is pretty cute. For some reason, this image <laughs> reminded me of that incessant YouTube video. Look at my horse. My horse is amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they float down and eventually make it up to... And there's this great bit, too, where uh, Bilbo, like, when they get... There's, like, some elves at the bottom. Mm-hmm. or there's a, yeah. so At the end, who... Mid- who midway through, there's a camp of elves that lash yeah. down into rats. Yeah. And, who, and, and then, like, he's, like, riding along with them, and he notices the Lonely Mountain. Yeah. And, like, the Lonely Mountain's actually big. They're really close to it, which kind of gives you a really good sense of geography now that they're at the last bit of their journey. Mm-hmm. They're at the last leg of it basically. So okay. from the from the from the long lake they're going to get to blowing out pretty quickly. This is going to be a little long passage. The day grew lighter and warmer as they floated along. After a while the river rounded a steep shoulder of land that came down upon their left. Under its rocky feet, like an inland cliff, the deep cliff, the deepest stream had flowed lapping and bubbling. Suddenly the cliff fell away. The shores sank, the trees ended. Then Bilbo saw a sight. The lands opened wide about him, filled with the waters of the river, which broke up and wandered in a hundred winding courses or halted in marshes and pools dotted with isles on every side. But still a strong water flowed on steadily through the midst. And far away, its dark head in a torn cloud, there loomed the mountain. Its nearest neighbors to the northeast and the tumbled land that joined it to them could not be seen. All alone, it rose and looked across the marshes to the forest, the lonely mountain, Bilbo had come far and through many adventures to see it. Now he did not like the look of it in the least. So that's some yeah. beautiful, beautiful writing on Tolkien's part. Very descriptive. You can It's a picture. like you, It's a photograph of this area that you can see very clearly. By the way, this is uh, our next chapter, a warm welcome. Anyways. Yes. Um, but yeah. This... Actually, if I could make a brief pause. One thing I really liked about this discussion is it's like the first time we really get a view into the the daily life of elven kind mm-hmm. because all oh, the, that's true all yeah. the elves we we talk about in the silmarillion are important people yeah and like here there's an elf that's a butler there's like a security guard uh, elf yeah we have elves whose job is to lash barrels together and like make them into rafts and i like i like this kind of segmentation of the elvish populace into a you know sedentary jobs mm-hmm it's yeah, very menial, and we don't we don't get that. Well, and that's the thing too. It, you know, from the Silmarillion, we were hearing uh, you know the tale of like great big, important warrior elves. Um, and yeah, it's true that every culture has you know subsets within it that have certain jobs to do. And yeah, some elf's job is to drop some empty barrels through a trapdoor to the stream <laughs> under the king's palace. So. <laughs> Around this point, they get they 
Now, I was a little f fuzzy on this. Do they actually get to Lake Town, or are they just, like, at the shore across from Lake Town? I, for some reason, found that a little There's, bit there's like, a uh, like a port, basically. Yeah, that's just that's outside right. the. Okay, so Lake Town is, is, is kind of like Venice. Mm -hmm. um, it's built within the lake itself, uh, and there's just a single bridge leading to it. So they are, like, outside of the bridge where the goods are loaded. Can you see it? Can you see oh, it? Oh, yeah, the picture. Yeah, the picture. Yeah, the picture <laughs> is really good description. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite illustrations, uh, by the way, of Lake Town. Um, you should look it up if you haven't seen it. So the elves get um, get off. The, they lash the ramp, and they get off the ramp. and they, Not ramp, raft. <laughs> and they go to Lake Town to uh, eat and all that. And now Bilbo is like, okay, I can uncork the dwarves. And he pulls Thorin out first, and it's noted you can only tell that it's Thorin because of his blue hood. And the gold that sticks the gold out, chain. the gold yeah. chain yeah. that he's wearing. So, because... hey, look, some character design to the dwarves. Yeah, and our dwarves, our poor dwarves are waterlogged and bashed and bruised. Well, and it's great, like, <laughs> Thorin is, like, cramped and tired and, and sore and bruised and grumpy, and... He, he, like, snaps at Bilbo, and then Bilbo snaps back, and yeah. there's, like, this brief moment of, like, really good camaraderie between them where it's, like, I'm just, like, seeing the scene play out in my head, like, them being silent but, like, kind of oddly um, on the same level with each well, other. Bilbo oh, said, totally. Bilbo says something to the effect of, hey, you're alive and you're here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and get it perspective, That's man. thanks to me. So, you know, if you would rather still be stuck in the dungeon, mm -hmm. uh... That's cool, but I got you out. So and they managed to get them all out. And there's this great line from one of the hobbit or one of the dwarves because I can't remember any of their names. I'm sorry. Who comments <laughs> about never wanting to ever have apples again? Yes. Because he was in one that had apples in, and all he smelled were apples for so long. It he was couldn't feely. eat any apples. Feely. Yeah, feely. And he never wants to see an apple ever in his life, which was <laughs> hilarious. And Bomber's asleep. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. They're, the the dwarves are kind of getting their wits about them again, and remember that they they are you know starving and well, okay. disgruntled. So Thorin says, "Well, here we are, and I suppose we ought to thank our stars and Mister Baggins. I'm sure he has a right to expect it, though I wish he could have arranged a more comfortable journey. <laughs> Still, all very much at your service once more, Mister Baggins. No doubt we shall feel properly grateful when we are fed and recovered. In the meanwhile, what next?" And Bilbo says, very matter of factly. I suggest Lake Town. What else is there? <laughs> yeah. So, but that's that's also interesting that Thorin himself is kind of turning to Bilbo now, saying, "Well, so what's next?" Because Bilbo has shown himself to be the, think the thinker and like the plan maker right now. So, they get into Lake Town. They very well. You're missing this lovely little detail what? where there are two guards at the entrance to Lake Town who are more ceremonial than anything in this position because this part of the world That's has true. really fallen yeah. apart and yeah. not much really comes to Lake Town except the Remember, world. like, the, the, this the, is the people... Dale, yeah, the people basically. at Esgaroth are... Yeah, uh, it's it's very... Yeah, it's basically... It's a town that is existing because these people are brave enough to live there um, because it's so close to the mountain and the, and, and the dragon. Kind of um, people However... Sorry, never mind. That was a random thing. I was going to just reference as like people who live in, in like it reminds me of the movie The Beast of the Southern Wild, or just in general mm -hmm. people who lived in the in like the the swampier areas of Louisiana and like humanizing them post Katrina. It's like, well, why were they living there anyway? It's like this is where they live. This is where well, they I live. Was, it's yeah. their home. I was going to say that this is like Fort Smith and True Grit. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's true, mm -hmm. too. If Fort Smith were not a total hellhole. <laughs> sorry if any of our listeners are from Fort Smith. I, I, I truly am sorry if you are. <laughs> but but they, they, they talk with these, like... 
Feely. This chapter goes by so okay. fast. Uh, he says, I'm Thorin, son of Thor, son of Thro. Thrain. Thrain, sorry. Uh, son, or king under the mountain, and I'm here basically to reclaim. And they don't believe him at first. Yeah. Um, because this is kind of a... He looks know, like crap. Yeah. Okay? They're like, yeah. You, you don't look like... You don't look like the king under the mountain. What are you? You don't look about? like an important dwarf. Um, but uh, Feely, uh, I believe, is uh, like okay. Uh, take us to see your master, <laughs> because this is the king of the mountain. And um, they go to this like it, it seemed to me like a giant dining hall mm-hmm. where everybody's like, like almost like one of those like um, like like almost Viking esque looking. I like yeah. Like uh, main room. I mean, basically. I've just mentioned it's full of people, and then these dwarves come in oh and God, proclaim very loudly, <laughs> <laughs> and proclaim very loudly about who they are, what their mission is, and the master of Lake Town is a little bit hesitant about yeah. what's going on. But well, everyone, everyone else is everyone like swept freaks up. Out. Well, they're, they're freaks. Fe- Ow. They're feasting with wood elves too, who oh, are the who who immediately hey. recognize the dwarves. Like, hey, we imprisoned them. Like, we were imprisoned because of stupid stuff. Yeah, <laughs> these are so, our prisoners. Yeah, and so the, you know the master of Lake Town is initially hesitant because again, like he doesn't want to go against the wood elves at all because he values their camaraderie and their and the trade that they have. Um, but you know the people just completely lose it. They're like, "This is the king under the mountain. This is a big deal," and they start singing songs about him that they know. So the master is like, "Okay, uh, we will welcome you to Lake Town," <laughs> and gives they get they they're given new clothing, they're giving lodging, they're giving food, food. and they stay there for like a week or so. Couple, and then, yeah, a couple weeks. And then my favorite little bit in this chapter the ma- the master just kind of comes to them and it's like all right you guys better be on your way because <laughs> you guys are expensive and we don't have much money and this has like been like a week-long holiday and no one's doing anything. no one's doing any work the company decides to go on their way and it's also important to note that you know all this time the the dwarves are really appreciative of bilbo and they um really are starting to have a lot of trust for him Again, just as Gandalf said they would. And, uh, oh, also, I don't know if we mentioned, but um, the uh, Gandalf had heard about their troubles in Mirkwood somehow. And he's currently finished with all of his other business. And unbeknownst to them, Gandalf is on his way to help. Um, so now they set, off, so. they set off in a boat to the Lonely Mountain. And Bilbo is very disgruntled. Bilbo about is all the this. only one who is disgruntled about this. Yeah, the rest of them are like, "Yes, okay, we're almost there, almost home." You know, this is the meaty part of the journey. This is what we are here to do. But Bilbo again has that image of the mountain, and like it's described as that the mountain is like frowning at him and looks ominous in the distance. And you know, the the sight of the mountain and still the idea of the dragon just are not high on Bilbo's to-do list. Um, so yeah, he's the only one who's really not all that gung-ho right now about leaving Lake Town. But alas, it's what they must do. I really liked this section a lot more than the last. I mean, I liked the stuff with, what was his name again? Bayorn. Bayorn. <laughs> I really liked the stuff with him. It's just weirdly, the last section was so dense. What? I felt like grab it back to the Hobbit or back to the Summerlin mm-hmm. again. This is like, this is This is easily my favorite section of the Hobbit um, as of yet. And I think part of that is because this is really the only part of the Hobbit that is totally unique to the Hobbit. Because mm-hmm. we get the Shire in the Fellowship of the Ring. I mean, the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring is the first half of the Hobbit. Yeah. And, you know, while we get this nice kind of intricate look at 
the wood elves, uh, you know, we got so much about the elves and and the Silmarillion. Mm -hmm. What I really like is this is the first real description we get of anything that men do that are unique. And I love the description of Lake Town. I love the description of the lake. I used to live in Chicago, and it reminds me of Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. And, it, it, you know, there's these beautiful little bits. Uh, there's this kind of sophistication of the trade network between the dwarves, I mean, between the elves and the, the lake people. Uh, you know, they they float the provisions up the river, and then they just kind of cast the barrels back down. Like, it, it's simple, but it, it, it's logical, and it's the kind of trade you could see existing um, you know, reusing the same stores and stuff like that, and uh, or storage containers, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. And then the idea of Lake Town, like that's not actually something that's that unbelievable because of cities like Venice, and it's it's described in this beautiful way, and it's just this really nice little quirk. And you know, accompanying that, you really get Bilbo for the first time being mm -hmm. fully autonomous. Lake Town is absolutely a point of interest for Tolkien scholars. If you're interested in Lake Town, you can find a ton of stuff um, about, you know, uh, its its own sort of economy that's described here as well as, uh, like, real-world tie-ins. Oh, yeah, we found that that, um, that article in your mom's journal about mm -hmm. the economy of, of Middle Earth and using, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out, like, the value of the gold pieces that they kind of vaguely describe and fellowship yeah. well and it's these are also what what intrigued me is the history of these people being the people from dale who i, I like we said that they they're living out here out of necessity mm -hmm. if if they had a choice they probably wouldn't live there but they don't necessarily have a choice or it's been so long there's no perceivable there's no perspective on a choice right and that's the other thing too is that uh you know we're told in in the text that um you know, some of the younger kids don't even believe in the dragon. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. then, the, but there are, you know, I think he calls them like the graybeards or whatnot that that you know still recall or like have heard stories. Well, um, we know of that the dragon. That, so the dwarves live longer mm -hmm. than the men. So that makes sense that the dwarves we're dealing with regularly in this book, the older ones. Mm -hmm get what's like they have a very close relationship with their history and with what happened uh, at the lonely mountain versus like kids in lake town who are like whatever mm -hmm. never seen a dragon you know yeah not gonna dragon. Say what dragon. are you talking yeah. about I'm like oh children if there's, only you knew <laughs> and there's probably stories about like if they're ever out there and it's like raining but the sun is out they're probably saying something like oh that's just smog like <laughs> doing something like snoring, I don't know. Like, they, I mean, it could be interwoven into like their culture in some small way, right? Or maybe they're saying something like, "I want to know, have, have you ever seen the rain?" Coming We're in a down. rain mood because it's just <laughs> raining. Yeah, you know? it, it has just been raining. It's the wettest summer for, ever. Yeah, yeah. that is months. one of those songs that I like uniquely remember as the holdout from my childhood. <laughs> Which later explains the credence obsession in my early twenties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with the soundtrack to Michael when I was a kid. So chain, chain, chain. Hey. But yeah, this was so, a yeah. great little. I mean, this is another example of like the the company of dwarves getting into a bad situation. And then the next chapter, they're being fed well. They're in beds. Yep. They're getting new clothes. Like it's just constant, constant. Yeah. Just, just. 
they're just, in a bad situation. They're out. They're in a bad situation. They they're out. Just, just wait until the dragon across. makes them a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the last section where we're gonna get that because now they're gonna be they're gonna be truly mm-hmm. in a situation where they're gonna be back in Lonely Mountain. It's deserted. And there's going to be a dragon there. And what's the name of the next chapter, by the way? Da-da-da-da-da. On, On the, the doorstep. doorstep. Jinx. Uh-huh. There you go. Pinch, pinch poke, poke, you owe me a Coke. Coke. I actually pinched and poked her. <laughs> so we're this... going to the movies after this, so you do owe me a Coke. <laughs> so this is the point when they're actually, like, in front of that big door with the, on Durin's Day. Which, by, by the way, they they reference Durin's Day so vivid, like so deeply earlier on that mm-hmm. I'm like, they better get there soon. <laughs> I'm starting to get worried. Because <laughs> we're going through and it's like, we're spending weeks in Mirkwood. We're spending weeks in the dungeon in Mirkwood. We're spending weeks at Lake I don't know Town. when Durin's Day is, so, so I'm yeah. getting freaked out. Well, <laughs> to, to give us some context, we are kind of beginning on them right now okay but, they were, so. they also i mean the narrator also said that unbeknownst to bilbo the river was the only real safe way to get to lakewood or lake town anymore yeah yeah and because the landscape has changed so much and there have been like earthquakes and floods and whatnot some of which are attributed to smog mm-hmm. and um that they just kind of happened into the best way to get there and the fastest way as well yeah so while there are these kind of long pauses they also saved a lot of time because the eagles ferried them or because the barrels ferried them Mm -hmm. pun intended (laughs) i mean the eagles probably saved them about a month of travel maybe 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 a little bit less but i don't know i just i'm sitting there like i don't know what nerds day is come on guys (laughs) like we 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 have a very brief window of time in which we can actually get day (laughs) i don't know what that is not duran day no duran duran are you hungry like the wolf when is Duran Duran's day? Also, just a, a little bit of a side note. We'll definitely Checking. get into this. Okay, we're, I found this on the web for Duran's day. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be doing the Desolation of Smog movie in a few Pretty soon. in a few yeah. sections, like probably mm-hmm. two or three episodes from now. Mm-hmm. But I just want to note that the majority, the vast majority of Desolation of Smog is based upon these two sections. Uh huh. And I read these two sections in maybe twenty minutes. Yep. Maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. So it's like, I mean, they put a lot of like. This is where I feel like the most inflation happened. Yeah. In the oh, movies. certainly. And we'll see that when we watch the movie too, because yeah. But um. To be honest, when I first saw that second movie, I was in the best of mindsets, so I don't remember most of it. <laughs> I remember the stuff at the end. But that's about it. Here you go. Durin's Day was a yearly event noted by the dwarves, when the last moon of autumn and the sun are in the sky together, that is, until sunset, on first day of the dwarves' new year, which was the first day of the last moon of autumn on the threshold of winter. Interestingly enough, it says IE until sunset, but Siri said that is. Huh. Wait, so, would, okay, I'm trying to make that in relation to our calendar. According what? to this, uh... I'm going to make a guess first. It's, okay. I'm gonna guess it's either late November, early December. Then, if it's supposedly the end of autumn. Okay, so according to loader.wikia.com, <laughs> since each lunar cycle takes about 29.5 days in autumn, by the American definition of winter, and the northern hemisphere runs until about December 21st, the first day of the last new moon of autumn could take place any time between November 22 and December 21. Yeah. However, yeah. however, it is more likely that Tolkien would have used the looser British definition of winter, which starts at the beginning of December, which means that Durin's Day could fall anywhere from mid-October to late November. So yeah, I was in the, I was in, I was ballparking it there. Mm-hmm. My favorite section was this little line in uh, chapter nine. Okay. 
he, meaning Bilbo, no longer thought twice about picking up a supper uninvited if he got the chance. He had been obliged to do it for so long, and he knew now only too well what it was to be really hungry and not merely politely interested in the dainties of a well-filled larder. Yep. We see how our little hobbit has changed. <laughs> yeah, he has become a ruffian now. It's great. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think honestly, my favorite... Uh, part out of all these chapters is um, just the couple of mentions that we have, um, specifically the the most important one being, I think, uh, in the dungeons in Mirkwood, but a few after that as well, where Thorin is really impressed by and truly respects Bilbo. Um, and really, like, he even says, Gandalf was right about you. Yeah. And um, it, I, we just have seen a marked change in his character in, in, over the past few chapters and the rest of the company are beginning to see it as well and so is Bilbo I think he's really seeing himself more as an actual burglar and as a plan maker which he needs to I think and then I mean that's it's just like pushing his like newfound leaning hard into his um Tookishness. That's what yes. I was, that was what I was trying to. I was trying to remember. Was it the Baggins or was it the Took? <laughs> yep. Leaning hard into that and realizing the kind of. It's like we we started off with a. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just him rediscovering himself through mm-hmm. this entire entire book, and that was just mostly emphasizing those. The, I mean these these sections. My favorite bits is simply just I really did like how they were ferrying the barrels out of out of Mirkwood. I, yeah. I just, I, something about the imagery and it was like, I just had this image of like, um, like the barrels going through like this, like, like cave, like, like, um, cascade, like waterfall. Mm-hmm. And then out in the and open. The and then I just realized this is what Peter Jackson was thinking too. Yep. Right. But anyway. But I, I also love the, like Bildo, you know, packing them carefully into the barrels you know, packing them in with straw mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I don't know. I suddenly now want to buy a couple hundred dollars of Legos and make a really detailed, like, scene of the barrels. Of the barrels out of bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's what I liked. I just, I like them. I like caves and I like water, so mm-hmm. I would very much hey, gravitate to that. You images. got you yeah. got both in this section. <laughs> yeah, all I needed were bats and then I'd be extra happy. <laughs> all right, well, with that, uh, this has been Talking Tolkien. You can find us online under that name on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, check us out at TalkingTolkien.com and send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. I'm John. I'm Katie. I'm Chase. And we'll see you next week with chapters 11 and 12 of The Hobbit. <laughs>